This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is Kyler Murray. This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. He goes to back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankle. He is Houdini. Touchdown. Patrick Mahomes with a rope. Chiefs are Super Bowl champions here in Miami. All right, guys, welcome back to the Established Pass podcast presented by Clutch Points, Blue Wire, and our friends at Bet Online. I am your host, Blake Lovell. With me is my co host, Dylan Reagan. We'll be back here for another exciting look uh, at a specific division here as uh, we are going through division by division uh, in our 2020 NFL season preview and uh, doing our division projections. We've already started. With the AFC East and the NFC East, now we move ahead to the AFC West, which uh, holds the reigning Super Bowl champions, and um, that should probably give you a pretty good idea of how we see this division playing out from a uh, competitive standpoint. Uh, we'll have our full division previews for the AFC West and others once we get to our, our Super Bowl predictions and all that, uh, the big mega episode we do before the season starts, but... Uh, for now, we're going to look at the ceiling and the floor uh, for all these teams in the division, then pick our uh, division MVP duh, and uh, our breakout player. Uh, so not a lot of suspense, Dylan, when it comes to probably our division MVP picks. Uh, breakout players, we have different choices, uh, but a little more suspense, I think, when it comes to the three teams that are chasing mm-hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs. And, of course, that is the Los Angeles Chargers, mm-hmm. Las Vegas Raiders, and Denver Broncos in terms of who's going to be maybe the second best team in this division. Yeah, this isn't a division like the past two where we talked about them being clearly two team races um, in both the NFC East and AFC East. I feel like here it will be a pretty big surprise if we don't see the Chiefs uh, winning the division once again and you know contending for a Super Bowl to defend their title. But yeah, like as you mentioned, it's there's still a lot of intrigue around these other three teams. There's I think in terms of we talk about um, these uh, floor and ceiling win projections. They're going to be a little wide, maybe for some of these teams, wider than some of the ones we talked about last time. We have a decent idea about, uh, you know, the NFC East, AFC East, some of the teams at the bottom uh, and some of the teams at the top and where they're probably going to end up in the standings. With these three teams outside of the Chiefs, yeah, 
a lot of variation. I feel like you could see things working out pretty well in a 10-win season. It's, it's certainly a possibility, but you could also see uh, everything kind of crumbling in a 4-5 uh, win season happening. So, yeah, a lot of variance between those three teams, and uh, definitely intrigued to see what they look like uh, when the season starts, especially with no preseason games. Yep, let's start with the team at the bottom. Um, the Chargers, who finished 5-11 and last season, um, certainly, you know, for you, Dylan, they, they were kind of on brand because uh, we all thought that the Chargers – uh, could be a team that, you know, completed, competed for a playoff spot, but uh, they only get five wins. Phillip Rivers now in a Colts uniform. Uh, Melvin Gordon uh, crossed the road there in the um, in the division with the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Lots of changes uh, for the Chargers. Uh, we don't know if Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert's going to be the quarterback uh, heading into the season, but uh, still there are some interesting pieces on the roster. Um, there's certainly a team that wants to win more than five games, I don't necessarily, I guess, look at this team and and think playoffs, but Mm -hmm. I also don't really look at this team and necessarily think that maybe they win fewer than five games. Uh, Now, look, I I think it's very possible they could go 5-11 and again because of the quarterback situation, not knowing what you're going to get there. I think that's a big question mark for me, um, no matter whether it's Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert, but... For some reason, I still get a feeling that they're probably going to find a way to hit that that five win mark. But is there a ceiling? You know, eight, nine mm-hmm. wins? I don't know. Like I think maybe that's probably the biggest range. Could that get them in the playoffs? I guess with the added playoff spot. Um, but I just don't. You know, I, I don't look at this team in that tier of being anywhere close to maybe a team that could challenge the Chiefs. Um, you know, not just in the division realm, but also just, for, you know, from the conference standpoint. Uh, I just, I, I don't know. Like, like they're a team, mm-hmm. and we say this every year, but it's like we don't know what we're going to get from the Chargers. I think that's especially the case this year just because of the quarterback situation and some of the unknowns elsewhere. Yeah, it's especially, like you're saying, for the first time in a long time, we don't know what we're getting under center. Uh, likely going to be Tyrod Taylor to start the season. We'll see how that all plays out. He's been in the same spot. It seems like, you know, three times in his career now with a young quarterback coming up underneath him. Uh, I mean, they did improve the offensive line. They make some additions there. That was, a you know, always throughout Philip Rivers' tenure, especially the last five, six years or how many years, such a struggle there to to provide adequate protection and not the kind of guy that you want under center is really going to be evading pressure too well. So the offense is a question mark. They have some, obviously, still really talented players, even though they lose Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, still a great weapon back there. Obviously, Keenan Allen and Michael Williams are pretty solid uh, receiving duo. But, I, yeah, I just don't know if that offense has enough to, you know, they, they finished 12th in DVOA, DVOA last season. I, I have a hard time seeing them finish any higher. Most likely, they're going to drop down a bit. So if you look on the defensive side, and you know, I was surprised that to look back and see that they finished only 21st in DVOA, a unit that just a couple of years ago when they went 12-4 and four and uh, you know beat the Ravens in that playoff game before falling to New England, that defense was really strong and really versatile, and they had a lot of exciting parts that, uh, with guys at positions that were able to you know kind of just versatile defenders. Obviously, Derwin James is the, only, the main one that comes to mind, but just really as a whole defense, they were able to kind of mold to whoever they are facing. And now it's, you know, they add Kenneth Murray. I think that's going to be an interesting addition there in the middle of that defense. But overall, the rest of the unit's fairly similar. Uh, you have Chris Harris thrown in there, so that could help a bit. But, I yeah, man, I, I don't know, like you say, like they, they probably have too much talent uh, still, even as being the Chargers, the one team that seems to never go, uh, go back to the mean in terms of winning close games. They just perpetually lose close game, one-score games at a rate that just no other team in the last 10 years has done. So unless that really flips around, I don't see them winning more than, you know, 
eight, nine games. I think nine is probably where I would set the number if uh, the defense takes a step up and the offense is able to sustain. You can see them winning nine games. They don't have an insanely tough schedule, 23rd based on last year's records. Um, but I, I put the floor maybe a little lower than you. I'd probably still, I put it at four. I mean, that's not – it's one game difference. But yeah. uh, it's it, so it's not like this crazy difference. But last year they went five and 11, I, as you mentioned. And I think they probably more likely put out a product that was closer to seven and nine, which – not really saying a whole lot, and there's a lot of more question marks. So I'll throw it down one more loss because uh, they could easily win more games than last year and have a worse team just based on that. All, all the things about their close game performance and all that. But I just at this point maybe maybe we look towards 2021. We we'll see how Justin Herbert comes in if he really you know comes in say like five six games of the season is looking good. That could change our projections, but we still don't really know what we're going to get there. He's still a quarterback that it's <laughs> the jury's out on whether, you know, they took him a little too high or, you know, compared to some of the guys at the top that were a little more confident in what they're going to be able to do. Yeah. It's a, just an interesting time for the chargers. And um, well, yeah, I just, I can't, you know, nine wins might get them in the playoffs, but I just don't really see them being a double digit win team at this point. Yep. I'm not seeing it either. And uh, I think when we talk about, you know, some of these other teams here, and uh, we'll wouldn't jump into them. You know, the Raiders are one of those teams that, you know, last year I think we looked at them. They started the season off with that big win in week one. I think we saw, you know, kind of what the offense was capable of. Um, you know, they, they had their ups and downs. But at the same time, you know, this is still a team that, quite frankly, I think would have been interesting to look at. And of course, actually, the, the day we're recording this here on Monday – They've already announced that they're not going to have fans in attendance this year. You know, you have a new stadium. You're making the move. Like, you're going to have that momentum. Um, but to not have that, like, that's that that that's not good. Like, you don't, you know, I mean, they, they were planning on coming in there, I think, having a pretty rowdy atmosphere, starting things off anew. Uh, but what element does that play in terms of uh, what this could look like this season for them? Uh, because hey, we you know home field advantage has always been something for the Raiders. Like they're a team, we know what that fan base is like. Um, you know how many of those travel to Las Vegas? I don't know, but I just I look at this team like the talent is interesting. Like they're a very intriguing team, but um, you know with, with Derek Carr, I think there's still questions in terms of quarterback position, wide receiver. Now they've got Henry Ruggs. Can he be kind of that number one guy? Maybe Tyrell Williams slides to the number two. Um, you know, you look at Darren Waller, he broke out last season, Josh Jacobs, they're very intriguing, I think, when you look at it. Um, but, yeah. you know, I I don't know, though, like, it's still a situation where you look at this team, and I think you look around and wonder, what do they have to do to take that next step? For me, you know, they won seven games last year, we were joking about how they were in the division race at one point. Um, I, I don't necessarily look at the Raiders and feel like, you know, they're going to be in that four to five range. I think it's probably safe to think that maybe six or so, six to seven could be the floor. I think maybe only nine and seven could be, you know, the ceiling for this team. But they're kind of in that middle where I would like to see them probably take that step before I'm going to bank on them actually doing it. And mm-hmm. I don't know, with the offensive weapons they have, it's at least interesting to think about, you know, maybe they are the second best team in this division, but – I just, ah, man, I don't know. Like, like, I feel like I need to see a little bit more before I'm going to be confident about that selection. Yeah, it's it's still tough between the – yeah, all these teams kind of have their flaws, but they also have these intriguing things, and that's what makes this division so interesting, and the Raiders are no exception. 
Uh, for all this, you know, all the criticism Derek Carr gets, they still finished in the top 10 in uh, DVOA last year on offense, seventh in passing DVOA. So the passing game was working. You had you add Henry Ruggs into that offense. I think they've already established with uh, Tyrell Williams has filled in his role quite well, and he's uh, so far. They add Nelson Aguilar. We'll see how that goes. But Hunter Renfro, another guy that just another weapon, another safety net for Derek Carr. Yeah, Jacobs obviously had a tremendous season. Their offensive line is still really solid. So you see that the tools are there in offense. And I think they have enough around Derek Carr for him to continue to play at the same level, at least as he did last year. Could that bump up a little bit? Maybe. I was surprised mostly because of they had so many defenders, uh, young rookies that really took to their roles quickly and impressed last year. I was surprised, again, similar to the Chargers. The Raiders are 31st in uh, DVOA on defense, 30th against the pass. Uh, maybe Jonathan Abrams staying healthy, being back on the field after a really strong first game. Uh, uh, broke his shoulder against the Broncos and stayed yeah. in after that. Was, he's a crazy guy, but he, he really does add an element. I think he's going to be a really, really great safety for them, um, adding Prince Mukamara to the, the secondary. They, they did some interesting things. We'll see how quickly David Arnett gets thrown in there as well. So there's reason to believe they're not going to be that bad on defense, and I still think their offense is going to be good. So, yeah, I think I agree that their, their win um, uh, floor is probably closer to six. Compared to the Chargers, I, I just see uh, there's a little too much talent on offense. I feel like the defense is bound to improve they, um, beyond just uh, Abram and what he impressed, Cleveland yeah. Farrell, Max Crosby. Those guys have really taken uh, to their roles quickly. And I think Corey Littleton, has, I've watched a lot of Rams football, obviously, and uh, really under, you know, just a great linebacker. He can defend running backs, tight ends, receivers, anything you want. He's a super versatile guy. A guy that uh, played, uh, you know, other positions before going to the NFL was not a linebacker, so he he has that versatility, that speed, and those elements I think were really missing last year, and I think that's going to make a big difference. He's able to stay on the field. He's a great leader as well. So, I yeah, I'll, I'll say six wins. I'll say ten for my for my ceiling. You know, they could maybe win more than that if the offense really took off and the defense um, improved. I really don't know if they're going to be a top you know, 10 unit on defense by any means, not even close to that yet. But if they can get to that 16 to 20 range in there and still be a top 10 offense DVOA wise, there's no reason they can't win nine, 10 games and possibly can compete for one of those last couple wild card spots. Still. Yeah. You see like this, the flashes when they played the, I think it was the, the game in Oakland between the chiefs and them where they took the early lead and the chiefs caught fire and you just see the secondary fall apart, but you see the moments where the offense against even a defense that was improved in Kansas city. And it has, you know, they just have to be a little more consistent. They've had, they had a lot of games last year too. We talked about them almost making, you know, being on the, the playoff conversation. Seven and nine wasn't that far out. You had the extra playoff team in there. I think if they're just a little more consistent, they take care of business against teams that they probably should beat. That's the, the sign of a, a team improving. Maybe they're not quite there. That's why you know the six win floor is still reasonable. But I, I, I would think they're probably going to be closer to eight and eight, nine and seven, and at least competing for one of those last uh, wild card spots. Yep, we'll see. I uh, won't see the Raiders on Hard Knocks this year. That will be uh, for the Chargers. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, Dylan's Rams, but uh, I would vote to have the Raiders on it uh, every season just so uh, we can knock on some wood and uh, <laughs> all that good stuff uh, there with uh, John Gruden and company. But um, speaking uh, of exciting stuff uh, going on, uh, while we may not have uh, John Gruden on Hard Knocks, we do have Deal Dash, and uh, even if you've never heard of DealDash.com, it's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's just like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. 
The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds, which means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, Deal Dash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of the other discounts that they offer. All you got to do, go to DealDash.com and use the offer code ETP or DealDash.FM slash ETP. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H.FM slash ETP. And, of course, uh, we've got our friends over at Bet Online. Uh, sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is uh, finally playing games, and there is no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. You can check out the odds, the features, the prop bets. It's all there, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, uh, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. Yep, big shot, Bob. Uh, you can see what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. All you got to do is visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Uh, BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, now we look ahead to... The Denver Broncos. Um, they're another one. Well, seemingly, Dylan, you and I have been hyping up all offseason um, as a team that maybe could make their move. <laughs> However, there is someone very close to the Denver Broncos that seemingly may not agree with us. And uh, we are talking about John Elway. Uh, we're talking all offseason about how excited we are for Drew Locke, Cortland Sutton, Melvin Gordon's there now, Jerry Judy. This offense could be rocking and rolling this season, but apparently John Elway not too thrilled in terms of maybe where the offense is at right now. Either that, Dylan, or he has decided uh, to use uh, the usual, I guess you could call it coach speak, but uh, owner speak uh, in this scenario. Uh, Here's a quote from John Elway that he had uh, about kind of Drew Locke and the offense right now. You can read into it what you will. We have fun with it. We know he's probably just saying this. Um, he's not exactly throwing him under the bus, but uh, he is making it very important uh, about what this is. So here's the quote. Uh, There's nothing like being on the practice field, so it's going to be a slow build. And the expectations of Drew, I mean, he did play well for five games, but that was only five games last year. Uh, didn't have the off season this year, which uh, for young football players is always very, very important. I know he did spend a lot of time throwing to the receivers, getting the timing right, uh, but we're very, very young on the offensive side. And with the way training camp is set up, I always remember as a rookie it was important to see other helmets. With our young team, that doesn't help us. I was hoping for a couple preseason games just because we're so young on the offensive side. So, again, I mean, it's not – I mean, John Elway's one of the greatest to ever play the game. I don't think he's going to – he's never been someone that's going to come out and just basically say, oh, this guy is, you know, fantastic. He's the greatest player ever because, you know what, John Elway in his mind probably is the greatest player ever uh, at the quarterback. So um, – I, but I do think he makes a good point here, and we can laugh about it if we want, uh, kind of definitely tempering expectations about the offense. But, I mean, he's right. They, they do have a young offense. they got a lot of young guys that haven't had mm-hmm. this offseason like they would in any normal offseason. Um, and now they've got to find a way to get it all together here in about a month uh, to step on the field and be able to compete with teams like the Chiefs and all these other teams. Um, so so he does make a really good point here about the Broncos. Still, I, I think this is probably the second-best team in the division. Um, at least right now, if you had to ask me, I think I would probably pick this team over the Raiders. Um, mm-hmm. 
I don't know how confident I'd be about that, but I think they're, they're pretty close. But I do still think I would give the nod to the Broncos. Cortland Sutton broke out as one of the top receivers in the NFL last year. Jerry Judy, uh, I know you're going to talk about him in a minute, Dylan. I mean, he's certainly got all the tools you need. I think to get him where they got him, that was one of our best picks of the first round uh, without question. You know, they're mm-hmm. adding Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay. That's a nice one-two punch. Uh, if Drew Locke can, you know, again, it was only five games, like Elway said, but I'm very, very intrigued by this team. And I think defensively, um, you know, I think they're going to be pretty good. So I could see the Broncos taking that step forward. I don't think this is a team that's going to lose, you know, I, I, let me say this. I don't think this is a team that's going to maybe win less than, oh, man. I don't know. Like, they went 7-9 and nine last year. Like, I almost feel like <laughs> that's kind of yeah. maybe the floor for this team. I mean, I, I don't know how much higher the ceiling is. Do I think they're going to get the 10 or 11 wins? I don't know. I can't say that confidently. But maybe just like the Raiders, maybe they're in that 6-9, to nine, maybe 10 range, all things considered. Uh, but, but where they fall on that, probably still yet to be determined. Yeah, I think we sleep yeah. a little bit on their defense uh, because of, you know, we're talking about all the offensive talent they've added. And I, I do agree with at least some of the points that John Elway made in terms of what, like, slow down and let's see what this looks like. That's, I think that's valid. Maybe the, some of the words he chose were a little funny to me and a little interesting. But overall, I get the sentiment. Like, you know, it does not help a second-year quarterback to not have uh, all that time with the guys. Like you said, you know, there are practicing off the field, but there's still just something different about having your pads on with the full the full work of a true off season that just wasn't there. So that's all fair, but uh, I, this defense is still good enough that, you know, they finished 13th in DVOA last year. I think they've, you know, adding AJ Boyd, but we'll see how that works out for the secondary, but I still think they have a lot of continuity, a lot of talent and guys that, you know, maybe had okay years that are in terms of stats, at least um, that are really going to bounce back. And I think they have a chance to be a top 10 defense. So you add that with the offense taking a step up, you know, it's, if you look at their DVOA before and after Drew Locke, it's a whole night and day. They're still pretty low uh, overall in the season, but uh, he was hanging tough right in there. And may, you know, maybe it is a little bit, uh, <laughs> excuse me, a little bit too much is made about what he did in those five games. He wasn't like, you know, letting uh, the field on fire with his performances. They weren't, you know, huge statistical feats, but he still looked more than capable. Uh, he had the moxie. He looked at, you know, in terms of the huddle and everyone being on, on the same page, you could all see that happening. So, yeah, I mean, it's reasonable to think the offense will be better. And even without Drew Locke being some superstar quarterback, we're not, I don't think we're expecting that. And I think keeping our expectations overall a little more limited does make sense. Uh, their offensive line kind of towards the middle of the pack. That There is some concern there, but Drew Locke's a pretty versatile guy. He's able to, to make throws on the run. And, yeah, you add in the talent, obviously, uh, Cortland Sutton being there, but then adding Jerry Judy and even K.J. Hamler I think is going to have a chance to maybe mostly on special teams, but still could be on the on the starting lineup on offense in the slot. And I, yeah, I think all of that young talent there, it's going to be exciting to see. I, I think Jerry Judy, yeah, where he was, it was an easy pick for them. They couldn't have gone better. Uh, we, we talked about, you know, leading up to the draft, they might have to trade up to, to get one of those receivers. They get a guy that's probably the com- most complete package in terms of being able to do every single thing a receiver could want in the NFL. So you add that with Sutton, and it's it's easy to see why you're intrigued. Yeah, the running back talent, and I think even Melvin Gordon, just because of all the, the contract dispute stuff last year, we forget how effective he can be. And Philip Lindsay, you know, the fact that, that you know he's going to have a chip on his shoulder now, he's done so much for them, yet they still bring in this running back. 
and they are going to have, you know, playing this one, two game. So yeah, I think they, all the, all the pieces are in place for them to take at least a reasonable jump on offense. So I do think, yeah, the floor is not as low. I, I still, I'll put it at six games because it's just, things could happen. There could, injuries could happen. Even if there aren't, you could lose a lot of close games in a six and 10 season. It doesn't mean you're a complete failure, but I'll put the, I'll put the win still at 10. I don't know if they quite have yeah. enough talent with their schedule to, to go into that 11, 12 range yet. It would really have to work out in their favor. Everything, uh, the defense would really have to take a step. The offense would have to exceed John Elway's expectations. But I do think a 10-win, not 9-10-win season, just like the Raiders, uh, like you say, said, when we get to our division picks, maybe I'll go into it more. Obviously, I'm going to pick the Chiefs. But maybe at that point, the pick will be more about who do I think between the Raiders and Broncos. I still would probably put the Broncos a little bit higher as the second-best team, as you mentioned as well. Um, and I, Yeah, I'm excited to see it all be put together. I, the offensive line is the one thing that could hold their offense back. If they, they're projected to be four. 14th according to PFF last year they're closer to 20 and yeah I mean I that's the only part of the offense where you're just not so sure if they had the Raiders offensive line with this team you just switch those two out I think we're you're really really excited Uh, but I still think they have enough talent yeah something about Drew Locke's development too with the offensive line and all that that's going to be important Um, could certainly be something to keep an eye on there and of course that brings to the Chiefs who quite honestly are probably going to have the smallest amount of time on this podcast because at the end of the day, like, what do you really say about the Chiefs that hasn't already been said? Um, they're going to be the favorite. No spoiler alert there. They're going to have the favorite to win the NFL MVP. Um, and it's really, I mean, I guess it's really just a matter of, like, you know, we talk about, like, the Super Bowl hangover, stuff like that. I think that more specifically goes for the team that lost the Super Bowl rather than the team that, you know, is absolutely loaded uh, you know, and basically won it, and, and it's going to be probably the favorite uh-huh. to win it as long as Patrick Mahomes is under center, um, you know, for years to come, maybe, depending on how their roster shapes up. Uh, so the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Not a whole lot has changed. We know Damian Williams has opted out. That's something to keep an eye on, uh, but we will probably be talking a little bit about that here in a second uh, when we get to our uh, breakout players for the division. Yeah, as you mentioned, not not a ton to say that we haven't already said about this team consistently. Is we talk about the AFC as being, you know, there's a, there's maybe not as many really good teams as the NFC, but at the top, it doesn't get much better than the Chiefs. Obviously, the Ravens in that same uh, boat as well with what they did last season. But I mean, yeah, Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> how at this point, uh, you know, he finished fourth in the top 100 players. <laughs> that was kind of funny to me. If you're not gonna put Aaron Donald at the top, I mean, how, you know, I get what uh, Russell Wilson did last year and Lamar Jackson is still incredible. And those guys deserve all the accolades and all the credit, but Patrick Mahomes, I just, he's the best quarterback, man. He's the best player in the NFL. And he, no matter what they have talent wise, and they do have a ton of talent on the offense, you're still going to believe they're going to have a shot with him. The offensive line is still a pretty solid unit. Eric Fisher's really come around and being an above-average tackle. Mitchell Short's consistently underrated, a guy that always is at the top of PFF's uh, right tackle ratings. So you have that stability there. You, yeah, you feel like, yeah, with Damian Williams, it's not even – I don't know if there's really that much concern because we just – we know what Clyde edwards Slayer can do. We saw what he did at LSU, and he's the kind of guy with the running back. We talk about how they can quickly plug into the NFL use, easier than most positions. He also has a ton of experience catching the ball out of the backfield, which is going to work perfectly with Andy Reid. So it just feels like such a perfect fit, and we said that at the, during the draft, and now it's – you know, maybe it was at that point – uh, more of a luxury to have him behind Damian Williams. Now he's, it's really going to be a pretty important part of what they do, I think, uh, just because we haven't seen the other guys like Darwin Thompson really 
take the reins as much as we possibly thought they would. And yeah, the defense obviously took a huge step forward from being uh, one of the bottom units, even when they had the number one seed in 2018, to finishing 14th in DVOA last year. They're much better against the pass, six against the pass compared to against the run, 29th. That doesn't really bother them too much because they're usually ahead and teams are usually having the pass to get back ahead to them. But even then in games that were closer last year compared to 2018 where teams can kind of control the clock a little bit, keep Mahomes off the field, you, you saw them kind of step up even though their rating's that low, just, just you know, uh, going back and just looking at those games. Like, they were able to figure it out on defense and uh, put, the, you know, put the players in the position to succeed there. And, yeah, man, I <laughs> – yeah, it's just at the end of the day, you have Mahomes, you have a defense that's solid enough, and that's going to be enough to ride you back. And I, yeah, they're easily. I mean, yeah, we're not doing the official rank, uh, picks yet for the divisions, but this is such an easy pick, not only just to win the division, but also uh, very much. Uh, it's going to take a, a a jump in my head for me not to to make them my pick from the AFC to make the Super Bowl again, just because of what Mahomes is. He's just a flat out superstar, and there's so many so many pieces in that offense. Even an, another year of experience together, a lot of continuity. Man, it's, yep. yeah, it's going to be really no exciting spoiler, again. Uh, needed there. We're probably going to pick the Chiefs to win this division, uh, so uh, you'll just have to worry about, uh, I guess, the others whenever we make our predictions for uh, the Super Bowl and all that, uh, and uh, we will see uh, how far we think the Chiefs are going to go this season when we make our Super Bowl picks, but uh, something tells me we're both probably going to have them going pretty far. Um, all right, that leads us to the uh, wrap-up here with the, with our two picks. <laughs> I mean, come on. Let's let's go with our, our breakout player first. Like, we'll get to our division MVP in a second, but, again, that's pretty obvious. I think we're going to pick. We won't spend much time on that. But breakout player, we do have two different choices. Uh, for me, I'm going uh, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, I think that because the Damian Williams hopped out, like we said, I think it immediately throws him into a spot where he's going to be very valuable for them, not only running, but catches passes out of the backfield. Um, they drafted him where they drafted him for a reason, and now they have a reason to throw him right into the mix and basically say, "Here you go, um, do what you know, do what you can do, and uh, we're going to have the best player in the league throwing to you and handing off to you." So uh, I think that puts him in an obvious spot. This is a pretty simple one, I think, for me. You probably would have picked it if we didn't want to just kind of you know maybe have a little bit different of opinion here. But I think the two players ultimately <laughs> we're both going with. I think one yeah. of us would have picked, you know, it would probably our top two in all honesty. Like these would have been both of our top two in whatever order. I don't think it really matters. So, yeah, unless Drew Locke suddenly becomes like, you know, you know it takes a huge step to like true stardom, which I, I just don't see happening necessarily. But yeah. that would be a contender, I guess, if Justin Herbert was able to get in and start the whole season and possibly make a jump. I would consider him. But I do think, yeah, these two guys. Uh, you mentioned Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'm going with Jerry Judy. I, I truly do believe, though, with uh, yep. Court and Sutton established himself as a number one receiver that even when teams are addressing that fact with multiple defenders, still is able to make incredible plays. I think you have Judy, which, you know, the same thing. He kind of benefited from this also. You could argue, I guess, at Alabama with all of their receiving talent, just multiple NFL-level guys, not just uh, that were coming out of, into this draft, but even into next year's draft, and we'll get to those, I'm sure, at some point. But all of that, it's kind of a similar situation here with Denver, and I think he's going to benefit immensely from that. I think with their offense, they're still going to pass the ball a decent amount, even though they have those two running backs that we know they're going to rely on quite a bit. I think Judy, at the end of the year, I mean, we'll compare the two guys, obviously different positions, and I think quite a bit. Clyde Edwards-Solaire maybe is going to put up a little yeah. better numbers just because of the offense he's in and 
overall the, the situation with, you know, they're such a great passing team, but they do a lot of things out of the backfield with their running back and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. How can you not expect big numbers? But I do think Jerry Judy still is going to put together a, a solid rookie season and prove, you know, even if he wasn't the first receiver taken, that uh, he definitely is <laughs> capable of being a, eventually a number one top uh, receiver in this NFL. So, yeah, excited to see both those guys. A lot of, and all, overall, a lot of exciting rookies in this division. I, yep. just so, a lot of talent uh, there are picks. Uh, for looking at um, the breakout player in this division now. Since we technically have to do it, it's in our contracts. We have to pick our division MVPs. Um, I think this is another one, Dylan, that's uh, probably pretty simple. Um, I I appreciate everyone in this division. I appreciate all their hard work, but uh, there's only one man that's uh, probably the choice here for division MVP. Yeah, I'll try, even trying to think about anyone else is difficult to do. I'm like, Derwin James would have to become Ed Reed in the second coming. Like, and, they, and even then, it probably wouldn't be enough because Patrick Mahomes yeah. is who he like, is. I'm, and, I'm uh, trying to think of, like, who – you mentioned him. Like, <laughs> if the Broncos were to win, like, 10 or 11 games and Cortland Sutton just had a monster season, I mean, I don't know. Like, even those numbers would have to be astronomical – Josh Jacobs, maybe if the Raiders just all of a sudden won 12 games and he was just a beast, but there's just, I mean, come on, there's there's no one else. Yeah. It's almost like you could have made the award, like, the division MVP fans, Patrick Mahomes. Like, we would have to, like, consider, like, if he was, like, out of the conversation, because it's just such... Those guys, those things could happen. Like he, uh, yeah. Cortland Sutton could put up insane numbers. Even say Derek Carr goes off, whatever. Uh, like all these things are, could happen, and still Patrick Mahomes, even if he's putting up numbers yeah. that are more like 2019 and 2018 when he's setting all those records, he's still Patrick Mahomes. He's still winning football games, making things happen that you just are not used to seeing, and he's just ga- gaining more knowledge. I, I, I know he's talked about in interviews and things that he's really only now like grasping the full yeah. complexity of the Andy Reid's offense. And it's just how frightening is that considering what we've seen from him and just, uh, you know, he's already has all the physical tools and as he just continues to, you know, gain knowledge, every snap, every rep he gets and over season to season, it's just going to become more and more difficult for these teams in this division. It's an uphill battle and, yeah, I think it's just, again, all these guys could have tremendous years. So many people could have fantastic numbers. It's probably not going to matter because Patrick Mahomes is still in your division. He's still going to yep. be the best player so there in the you division. Go. No there you are do. picks uh, looking ahead, kind of projecting the AFC West. Uh, should be interesting, I think, because really we kind of described it. I don't think you have any truly bad teams in this division. I think you've got three teams that feel like they're they're yeah. on the way up or they at least have some young talent that can push them forward. And then you've got the Super Bowl champs. So I think that makes it, I really think this is probably one of the more fascinating divisions, not necessarily the strongest division from top to bottom, but I think maybe just fascination in terms of where all these teams are at right now. Mm -hmm. I think you can make the argument with that. And and I'm sure as we go through these others, uh, maybe some other divisions pop up. Uh, Certainly the NFC West uh, is one which will have, you know, coming up in the next episode. But um, I think this is definitely one that you look at and, and see why there's a lot of intriguing elements to go along with uh, the AFC West. But uh, there you go. There's the AFC West. And, uh, Dylan, we continue to roll right along with these. Um, we got a lot of great stuff going on over at Clutch Points, not only hyping up the AFC West and these teams and players involved, uh, but uh, certainly <laughs> NBA's back, baseball. we got all sorts of stuff going on. And hopefully, uh, before long, we will have football over there too. 
Yeah, hopefully it can add, add on and it won't be in, in replacement of baseball. Things keep churning as they do with their most recent upbreak, with, uh, outbreak of the coronavirus with the Cardinals. But, yeah, as long as MLB games are uh, going on, you can follow them in the, in the Clutch Points app. You can also follow the NBA games, which I've been pleasantly surprised yeah. by the how these guys came in as if it was, like, even – better than the middle of the season like they, they look it does not look like the first couple of weeks of the of a normal regular season all these guys are firing all cylinders it's been really fun to watch and i think they've done a good job with the presentation so yeah you can follow those games also in the clutch points app all of our nfl coverage is still in there as well once the games get going we'll have those uh, more fantasy football content on the site if you go to clutchpoints.com search fantasy football all of our fantasy content we got some out uh, looking at some of the top players in each position as we get closer to uh, when most of you will probably be doing drafts, especially without preseason football, it might be a little closer to the season. There's no reason not to. Uh, we'll have all of our d- different rankings of each position, guys that are likely to be undervalued, ADP-wise, overvalued, all that kind of stuff. We'll have a cover. Yep, check them out on Clutch Points. Clutch uh, and of course, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast app you use, you can find it there. Uh, subscribe to that. And uh, thanks as always to find folks at the Blue Wire and Pet Online for all that they do. And thank you guys always for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next time here on the Establish the Past Podcast. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.